Hey everybody, welcome to season two of the Mixmasters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Litcher, and for those not familiar, I'm the touring front of house engineer for Stitched Up Heart. Working with Stitched Up Heart has led me to meet an incredible number of really talented people, and I wanted to introduce you to them. I wanted to let you hear their stories and learn from their experiences. This is really your chance to listen in on behind the scenes talk and to learn from some of the best in the business. I have to give a huge shout out to my pal, Merritt Goodwin, for this killer intro music. Merritt is the lead guitarist for Stitched Up Heart, and he's also an extremely talented composer. Give him a follow on Facebook at Merritt Goodwin or on Instagram at Merritt Goodwin Official. Now let's bring up the faders and jump into this episode of Mixmasters Podcast. Welcome to the final episode of Mixmasters for the year 2020. And man, what a year it's been. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a few minutes here and sort of wax poetic about the year, how we started out, where we ended up, and all of the the highlights uh, in between. So if you're not feeling like listening to my nasally drone, please fast forward a few minutes and join the episode. I should mention that Today's episode features a roundtable discussion with Eric Rogers, Drew Thornton, and Josh Sobeck, and we talk about all of the things that we've learned as a result of COVID and having to sort of change directions and get away from live production and focus more on streaming and downloadable content. And it is a vastly different world, as you'll hear through our discussions in the roundtable. We had some fun again. We we drank throughout it, and it gets to be pretty hilarious towards the end. So make sure you listen to the entire thing. And speaking of listening to things, I just want to thank everybody who has taken the time to download and listen to one episode or a handful of episodes or even all of the episodes. It really does floor me that people are interested in what we have to say and apparently keep coming back to hear what we're saying and talking about. As I look at the numbers, um, man, we've had 18,000 downloads Uh, Since I started this podcast, there's 37 episodes. So that's just under 600 listens per episode uh, via download. And then there's numbers from services like Spotify and whatnot that I don't check on. So it just, it baffles me. It, It humbles me. It floors me that people are listening and enjoying it. The feedback has been fantastic. So thank you for chiming in and sharing ideas and suggestions. I really do appreciate all of that. So what's going to what's going to be in store for 2021? That's a great question. You know, I hear from some fronts that small tours might start mid to late year, festivals might start over the summer, but I think it's all speculation at this point. So in terms of what that means for Mixmasters, I really don't know. I need to take a little bit of a break again. Uh, I took a hiatus between season 1 and season 2 and I'll probably take a little break between season 2 and season 3. But anyways, from the bottom of my heart, I'm rambling. Uh, I'm not drinking right now as I record this intro, but we were during this podcast episode. So I just want to say thank you again to everybody for listening. I hope you all stay safe. I hope you all have a better 2021. And please take care of one another so that we can get back out doing what we all love to do, and that's touring and making music and having fun with one another. So until then, uh, stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Mixmasters. It is a special year-end episode. It is a roundtable with some of your favorite participants from earlier episodes. And tonight I'm joined by Drew Thornton, Eric Rogers, and Josh Sobeck. Gentlemen, how are you doing? It's been a, a hot minute since I've uh, spoken with y'all. 
wonderful. Just wonderful. I'm fantastic. Unfortunately, did you tell everybody that they already missed all the good stuff? I did not. Yeah. So we'll keep that between <laughs> there us. There was a lot of good stuff right before this. You should push record earlier, Steve. Let's just say I have yeah. enough material to retire early if I need to. <laughs> hey, you said you didn't record any of that. Yeah. I mean, I did not. You're right. Um, this, okay. So, yeah, this episode's a little unique because uh, we're we're drinking during this episode, which is something I've never done before. So I want to check in first and see what everybody has. I'll, I'll go first. I'm drinking a, a Fuck COVID. Uh, it's a pale ale from a local brewery called Ale Asylum. And the label has an asterisk after the Fuck COVID, and it says, and also hoarders as the uh, fuck them. So, uh, Drew, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Fuck COVID wine. <laughs> it's called Bogle. It's a cab, very reasonably priced, and it tastes great. Awesome. Uh, Eric, you were commenting earlier about the uh, price per milliliter of your yeah. wine. I'm, I'm drinking a, a fuck COVID cab from Aldi called Outlander, and uh, it's 1.7 cents per milliliter. So it's, um, and I'm, I'm already. <laughs> Half a bottle of milliliters in. So. You're 650, <laughs> 650 deep. Nice. And Josh is, uh, you're the responsible guy. You're, you're keeping us honest. He's driving. He's driving. <laughs> yes, I am. I am the designated driver of this roundtable. I am drinking water. Well, and because I'm from, oh, go ahead. No, as I say, it's, it's, it's still early here on the West Coast. So I, I have, as we discussed earlier, I have not had dinner yet. So. Okay. Um, just for the audience to know, like, Josh thinks that Phoenix is on the coast. It's not yeah. actually on the West coast, so, but it's like four 30 there. Right. Or is it, it is, it is quite early. Yes. Uh, okay. well, no, it's, it's, it's five 30 here because so you the, could drink then I could drink. It is after five. <laughs> That's right. It's five yeah. 30 because the, 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 the rest of the world changes yeah. time zones. Yeah. We do not change. <laughs> yes. You do not change for nobody. Nope. Like, fuck you change. <laughs> yep. And because I'm from Wisconsin, I have a second beverage, a, uh, a bourbon on the rocks. <laughs> so, so I'm holding yes. up uh, my yes. two beverages there. So, Touché, sir. Yeah, uh, you amateurs with your single beverages. <laughs> All right. Um, so, man, what a year it has been. I started the podcast, of course, when COVID sort of first hit us, and we all thought, well, we need something to do for a couple of months. And here we are, you know, nine, ten months later, and we're – we're not touring. We're not doing uh, live, live, live shows in front of, you know, thousands of people or whatnot, but we have all sort of made adjustments and we're, a lot of us are streaming. Uh, I think all of us online uh, right now in this discussion have done at least a stream or two. I think Eric probably trumps all of us with his uh, Hello TV production. And uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit tonight about some of the things that we've learned over the course of doing streaming productions, things that we uh, do differently that we would never dream of being able to do live and just sort of kick it off as sort of a, a discussion amongst friends about things that we've learned, tips and tricks and, and uh, what we're enjoying about streaming, what we're not liking about streaming and all that good stuff. So um, I don't know who to ask to go first. Uh, maybe I mean, it's obvious. Come on. Gotta be the hello TV guy, the grandmaster. Oh, no, I did 28 of them, but Drew did the 
one best. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you did a lot. You, I feel like you should take the lead on this. You're like, this is this is your gig now. I, I'm a spectator. <laughs> it is my gig here. now. You're right. <laughs> so before we do um, that, let's back up for one second. So um, Eric is the co-owner and uh, producer, founder of Hello Productions. Say hi. The other owner is right here. Oh, is Paris back there? Yep. She's she's actually editing. Um, we just did a, a shoot with Newfound Glory for their Christmas special that comes out in like a week or something like that. Super nice. cool. Nice. It's the newest, weirdest thing I've ever done, going into somebody's house with a bunch of shotgun mics, doing dialogue and music videos. It was it was cool, man. I've gone from mixing cool. like big metal bands to shotgun mics, somebody making cookies. I feel like I've arrived. Do you want to take us through uh, the the impetus for Hello TV and sort of what you guys do and, and how you do it? And, and we'll just go from there. Uh, the impetus for Hello TV is on um, uh, a pandemic decimated our industry. And um, I think I've told the backstory before, but I love telling the backstory is um, sometime around April of this year, Paris and I, we, we, we kind of started this call of duty group and went with a bunch of our, our friends that we've toured with and uh, we saw the the billy not the billy eilish i'm so sorry it was the the lady gaga covid telethon thing and uh we saw all these different artists doing some it was funny and then looking at it in retrospect like elton john playing in his driveway and um the Rolling Stones playing air drums in their living room and, and doing these songs to raise money we thought wow we could do this too and it grew from that and it grew it started off as like a charitable thing where we were trying to raise money and then we we looked at how the market was for streaming and like well actually this is a real business and then we started talking to artists and vendors and people around the industry and next thing you know i own a production company that makes streaming videos and i'm, I'm still kind of still trying to figure out how i got there because this time this time last year i was finally hanging up my uh my my backpack after 200 and some days on the road yeah it's definitely been a switch uh drew jump over to you you've done a couple of streaming events you want to tell people what you've been involved in and and just give us a little overview uh yeah i mean the first i've been lucky enough to have three gigs this year so that's good three uh since the shutdown uh the first one was a verizon wireless acoustic performance that we had to do in Finn's studio. Um, and it was at the high, kind of what we thought at that time was the height. So I brought my little 1500, I stationed up outside the door, uh, the whole wipe down all the gear and all that stuff. Um, but it was an acoustic performance and it was fun because I got to use condenser mics that I don't normally get to use in the live setting for vocals and stuff. Um, and kept it pretty simple, just like a couple of those, 16 eight boxes and then uh the the one of the favorite ones was the xr studios stream that we did maybe a month ago which was uh, uh like an extended reality kind of a stream thing uh and that was a lot of fun because we got to use my my show mix and then we just kind of gave it kind of a mastering feel and i got to change a lot of stuff um and um yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I thought it turned out really well. And then this last one was a lot of just kind of prepping and doing some some you know sh some 
different kind of recordings and stuff. Uh, can't get into too much detail, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of a lot of fun. I mean, you know, any gig right now is is fun. Uh, and Josh, you've done a couple of cool things with uh, I Prevail and some other groups as well. You want to talk real briefly about those? Yeah, I've done a couple of things that's maybe a little different than what these other two guys have mentioned. Um, I was a part of the studio side of I Prevail, which was new for me. We did a live album release where we took, because, um, you know, I multi-track every show every night, usually for virtual sound check and just archive. But, uh, you know, in this case, the guy said, well, you know, the the current record trauma, we've basically been playing the entire album on the road every night except for a couple tracks which we had actually played in rehearsal so we had those recorded and uh, they said well you know here's kind of the you know the cities that we think were the best on the tour like go through the recordings find the best of the entire tour and we took a different uh cities recording for each song and you know we had like you know like track one from michigan and track two from germany and track six from london and one from australia and we just kind of put it together into this uh uh, same exact 13 tracks as the studio record and but it was live from different places around the world and the the guys trusted me to mix the whole thing and they put it out as a proper album release which was super cool so that's what I did with I Prevail and I'm actually sort of uh, again can't share too many details but I'm doing another live record for another rock band right now um, it was a, a band that is currently on hiatus so they they multi-tracked their farewell show that I'm currently mixing down and that'll be released early next year also um and the other thing is uh you know just here in arizona working for a couple of large churches in the area helping them with their broadcast needs and you know taking very large auditoriums that aren't full of people and adapting it with the current you know gear you know avid consoles waves plugins that we all know and love uh and just making it work for a streaming audience really cool man yeah that's awesome and then myself, I, uh, I've been lucky enough to go out to California a couple of times to work with Stitched Apart, and we did a summer uh, stream that really never went anywhere because we had massive uh, video challenges in the environment that we were in. I did get some good multi-tracks out of that and got to play around with some things, and then we just did a show for the U.S. Navy that was streamed uh, to a number of their bases and through their Facebook Navy entertainment channel. And, uh, man... I have a new appreciation for anybody that is streaming content on a regular basis or working on an album, Josh. I don't know how you guys do it because... Uh, it's different than front of house. It really is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it, it lives with you forever. And I, you know, with the stuff that we did for the Navy was all done in real time. I didn't have the luxury of going in and, and reworking things that I didn't like. It was just as it came off the board in the moment. And, uh, oh my gosh, I cringe when I hear some of the things that I flubbed on. I'm like, <laughs> my hat is off to everybody that is doing, uh, permanent work, you know, that's being, uh, committed to media and replayed over and over and over again, because wow, that is a, it's a different world. So Eric, uh, you did primarily live before, you know, jumping into streaming, what are some of the biggest things that you had to adjust to right away or some of the biggest eye openers and not just Eric, but anybody in general, but I'll, I'll kick it off with Eric there. Um, for me, like, and it's like, I think Josh has been privy to it. I, I, I don't remember if Steve's actually been to a, a show, a, a real show of mine or not. And, and, and Drew hasn't been, hasn't been blessed yet. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> ask josh i am it's worth the wait 
<laughs> I am not shy about using the whole fucking PA. <laughs> and I, I learned real quick that the things that I'm used to cramming into my whole fucking PA do not necessarily cram into the speakers of a, an iPod or, yes. or ear pods. And I mean, I, it, it's really, it was, it makes sense to me now, but it was, it was really almost counterintuitive to me. Like, why would I put a high pass filter on X, Y, Z? Why would I, why would I shelve my low end? Why would I shelve my high end? I want this full wide open, uncompressed, just airy breathing, punishing mix. And in the first time out of the shoot, I was listening. And uh, another thing is like, I'm not shy of effects and, and I, I like things to sound big and live and open. And when I go into listening to the playback of the first show I did, because we don't do edits, it's 100% a live show. I'm listening to it and going, this is not good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> learning, how, learning how to actually manipulate the, the, the source that we're coming in and, and really mix instead of just, just throwing it into the PA and kind of putting a little zhuzh on it, actually really mixing the show and being conscientious of how every little thing interacts with everything else. I want to jump in real quick because that was the biggest eye opener for me before the Navy show. I was rehearsing with multi-tracks from the July event that didn't work out and I, I nailed it. I had the mix sounding so good in my headphones. I was like, Oh man, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And then I remembered the old studio trick of taking your mixtape out to the car and putting it in your car stereo and the memes, you know, of the engineer who's like nailed the studio mix. And then they show him with a gun in his mouth and his car, you know, listening to it. <clears throat> that was me. <laughs> Do you guys, uh, are you guys, when you're mixing uh, these days is really the primary target listening device, like a, a mobile phone or what are you, what are you being asked to mix to for the audience? Because I think that that's a big compromise that we all have to be cognizant or aware of. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I'm mixing for everything, right? And that's what we're all doing. I mean, the average person is consuming it on an iPhone or AirPods or whatever. But, you know, realistically, I'm making sure it sounds good there. It sounds good in a car. It sounds good on, you know, $10,000 set of studio monitors. It should sound good everywhere. So I don't know that I'm mixing for one particular medium. I'm just making it sound good for me. And, you know, hopefully that translates everywhere else. I've actually done the same thing where, like, I, I have... I have my preferred headphones that I use and I have my preferred studio monitors that I use and then I have my preferred PA yep. and I've gotten to the point now where I can give you a final mix and you can put it through any of those mediums and it sounds the same and it sounds full and it sounds like the band, but it was, it was, a it was a mind fuck because as a live guy with without really formal audio training, I've got I got 20 years of learning it from other people. But when I went to college, I wanted to be a teacher <laughs> and, and not an audio teacher. Um, <laughs> so it, it got to the point where I, I was mixing around the gear or mixing around the thing or just using, you know, growing up in the clubs, using the gear that I had to make it sound like I wanted it to sound without actually understanding what was going on. So now I've, I've gotten a good nine months plus a 20 year career of actually learning the process and, and learning that there's, there's certain things that are, are used in the aspects you know, the, the channel EQ is for the channel, the, the room EQ is for the room. 
how to how to use all these different devices to make the the band or whatever your source is sound the way the artisans is intending it to sound through whatever medium it's going through and i try not to fuck it up <laughs> i i i actually have to i have to say i tried something different with the the xr stream that we did and it was only because there was a tv in in the actual room and the MD is he. The MD has great ears, and he's a mix engineer of sorts, and also a producer. And he does a lot of the mixing, some of the acoustic stuff that Billy does. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I was like, "Well, I have the ability to send this mix out. I'm going to just actually turn around an iPod cable and run it right into the TV." So I set that up as like just a, another set of ability, like to listen on a really like a like a fifty inch you know flat screen that was right there, and I was like, well, you know, this is going to be the worst case scenario. And then we were also monitoring through a laptop speakers, uh, and we had a nice set of studio monitors as well, and and you know all that kind of stuff helps, and and that's the goal is to try to get it to translate everywhere. Um, I think that you know one of the things that I kind of thought was interesting about this the the jumping over the streaming and like i kind of feel like yeah there is there is something about mixing around the gear and the the ability to take advantage of the room that we're in as live engineers the front of house guys but there's also a a stronger correlation and the longer i i kind of work at trying to get my process the way i feel like it should be the more i see more similarities between the live world and what we do and the capabilities and how if you can get the, the the essentials right, you know, like that 100 hertz to like 4K really dialed in, you can get an incredibly powerful mix. And I, I now this is obviously kind of a somewhat new theory, but I feel like if you can get that to translate, if you can get that to feel as competitive to your references that you use a tune to that you use to tune a PA, in theory, it should be a very powerful thing that can allow you to actually have a, a you know, a better RMS, a, a, a lasting volume, more power. Um, but it's, those are the ranges that are hard. Those are like the last range. Like that's, that's where the, you know, it separates the men from the boys, you know, like that's, that's the range. that's tough. It's like that hundred Hertz. It's like, we all like to cut 120 sometimes out of a 91 a, you know, sometimes it's just not working for us, but it's like, just the just the right amount makes a huge difference because there's a hundred hertz in that kick drum that we need for streaming that we will die by if we don't get it right but we could fake it in the live world because we've got tons of subs you know what i mean so it's like it is a challenge but i feel like there's there's that a fan that fascinating world that we can you know realize that they're closer you know, related than we think. But the cool thing is, is I feel like we can cheat the line by going into the recording and the mixing records, but they can't necessarily cross into our world so easily. So I feel like that's at least reassuring. So I feel like all, all this is just going to make us even better at front of house, regardless. Oh, absolutely. I feel like I've gotten way better just as a mixer in general after Your doing an album. Awesome. I saw it. Thank you. It was like amazing. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, and that's, that's sort of been the same thing for me too, is, you know, coming from a lot of the same background as Eric, where I like to use a lot of PA and I like to throw faders a lot. You know, Eric, you've seen the show. It's, there's a lot of faders moving. There's a lot of details going on in the background. Uh, I love having an insane dynamic range and utilizing the full amount of PA that's in the air 
And all of a sudden, you've got to squeeze that into a little AirPod. So, I mean, one of the biggest takeaways for me was just learning how to properly manage dynamics, you know, as a, as a front of house guy that never really did studio work. Um, and Drew, I know your show is super dynamic, too. Yeah. Uh, just being able to to all of a sudden have to change from being in a room where you have like a 45 dB range in front of house in your show that is feeding off of the emotion in the room and the fader, the giant fader movements make sense because you're reacting to the emotion in the room. All of a sudden, someone 2000 miles away is watching that that's disconnected from that emotion that's in the room. And that giant fader movement doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. It scares so, the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. that was, that's, that's been one of my biggest uh, transitions, Steve is just managing dynamics and changing the amount that the faders are moving and being so much more intentional with the fader movements. Dynamics, man. That is huge. Dealt with this year too is um, I don't, the way we shoot the show is all with handheld cameras and and mirrorless cameras. So there's no wires. There's no director feed. It's all at the video is edited in post. The audio is live, but the video is edited in post. I'm in another room and I have no idea. I don't even know what, who's standing where on the stage. I know the <laughs> drums are in the middle and I know the singer is usually on the floor in the middle, somewhere like 10 feet above the drum, in front of the drum kit. Um, I don't know what the show looks like until the end. And I'm, I'm literally only mixing with my ears. Like I, I have a black wall in front of me. I have monitors and I don't know how that's going to translate back to mixing in, in our world and the live world. But the truth is, is I really like it. I, it's getting rid of the visual distraction. Cause again, if you've ever mm-hmm. seen me at a show, I'm fucking ADD. I'm, I'm looking around I'm making faces at people. Like I, I like to have my, my, my tribe around me. I mean, I like, I like my, my SE, I, I make faces at them, like our LD, like we, we high five, we, we dance, we, whatever. It's, it's kind of a fun environment. It's an emotional thing in the room. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm vibing with the audience with what we've got going on. And now I'm literally, I'm in a studio <laughs> and I'm staring at a black wall and speakers and you, you should really get a program feed. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, you're, you said earlier that you're like, what a co-owner of a production company. <laughs> yeah, can you, you can you not get yourself a TV feed? Kick the boss in the, you know, well, uh, I pants. can't except the problem is that the, the gear choices that we have that we've made is we are using uh, mirrorless cameras that are handheld. So it's uh, it, all the uh, video is captured on an SD card. Ah, uh, so yeah. if I were to get a monitor feed, it would be plugging in a wire to a camera and then right. You should hire an intern with like screen sharing on an iPhone, <laughs> just following wherever she is. It will be next year. I might, I mean, honestly, I was talking with Paris about it. I might even get a fucking GoPro just like, yeah, <laughs> you could see. Yeah. I mean, well, I think that that's also important too, because if you're doing a video, video like you want to be able to exaggerate, even if in the smallest sense of whatever the listener is watching, because the cuts are also important. Because like if they cut to like, you know, Finn playing bass, I kind of want to nudge that up a little bit. So everyone's like, because that's that weird yep. visual re- response. And you're like, oh, I can hear it perfectly clear. And everyone's going to be like, yep. oh, the mix is so much better. But it's like, I just pushed it up a little bit while they were well, doing that's, that that's what i'm telling you is, is you get to this point where you can anticipate because music is music once you understand music and yeah. it's just fucking rock and roll it might be a little bit different if i had a prog band in here and it was you <laughs> yeah. know all, everybody doing everything at once 
but you, you start to listen to the music and we do, I mean, I cheat. We, we have the artists do a full rehearsal of their show before they actually tape the show. That's not cheating, but you that's just rehearsing. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I that's called myself, being responsible. I'm yeah. listening to the show and I'm anticipating moves and, you know, especially with doing the immersive mix and the 3d stuff, I, I have them panned in space all around your head. And, and then instead of doing like the old automation tricks that I used to do live, it's like, I'm, I'm listening to the show and I'm making the show happen as I see it in my head, not as I see it in my eyes. Cause I don't see it in my eyes. And it's, I mean, if, if, I hope it looks pretty good to me on the final product, but no, but I mean, awesome. Not taking anything away from that. Cause I actually feel like being able to close your eyes is sometimes the best way to like actually hear something oh, you absolutely. Do that all the time. It's like, sometimes you just got to shut down all your other senses just so your, your hearing can just take over, you know, and you can, you know, I don't know. It's, it feels like it just, it just doesn't, you don't get distracted. Like you said, you just don't, you know, you don't have any visual, distractions to just pull you out of what you're trying to focus on. Yeah. I mean, I'll do a lot of uh, Pro Tools stuff in post and I've got the the new Slate VSX headphones and I'll be sitting here in Pro Tools at my control surface and just close my eyes and do all my fader movements. A lot of times a whole pass through the song just with my eyes entirely closed. That that helps a ton for me. I, uh, I think I would get PTSD because I spent many of my early years mixing sound at a little club in a basement where I literally <laughs> sat behind the furnace and I couldn't see the stage. And so I was <laughs> that is kind of scary. Hey, if you if you didn't start with something like that, though, I, I feel like we've 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 all had to do that to get to where we are. Right. Come Dude, I, I the first venue job I had, I was hanging above a door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've we've all had to do that. And I was there a long time. <laughs> I, I sat somewhere between like the the the, the busboy counter and the fucking uh, cash register on a bar somewhere. It was <laughs> yeah. I had to walk behind the entire bar to get to the four channel Mackie mixer. Yep, we've all been there. The other thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna buy Eric a uh, Logitech webcam and just uh, set it up so that you can see what's going on at least in you know there more you or less real time and you'll be yeah. Like, Screw watching the show. Let's just watch him. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's. I'm gonna buy two. Wait, why? Do, who's this guy? What is he doing? Well, we don't have a camera above it, but he. You could, if we did, you would see him mix the show. Dude, I have kids, and I'm not. I'm not kidding you. They're they're the ones who are like, you should go on on Twitch. I'm like, what the fuck like, is Twitch? Twitch. And, and literally, you watch people do things. It's totally voyeur. Yep. And I don't I don't know that watching mix a show, but watching like watching her edit, there's a there's something to be said. I mean, like my kids watch dumbasses play video games, like in ASMR or something. <laughs> it's like you're like the tapping of the uh <laughs> stitched stitched is really involved in Twitch and it that's an eye opener. Like we they they thought they could just jump on and you know hook up a webcam and start streaming, but Man, there's a lot of technology with, that we implemented to get their Twitch streams to be working well, but it is a great revenue generator. Um, so if you guys, any of your artists aren't doing Twitch, I would I would check it out because uh, Stitch Apart Rock on Twitch.tv is that's a big deal. Like it's a significant revenue generator, and it also allows the bands to stay in close contact with their fans, and it's very interactive and dynamic. But getting back to the subject, I. Uh, 
I had not considered putting a webcam on Eric and a webcam on the artist, but now I'm I'm starting to get get ideas. So I, I like this. <laughs> I like it. That's what this is all about. <laughs> It'll be fun. Perfect. Uh, and then talking about dynamics, that's a really interesting point because one of the things that I learned pretty quickly was effects uh, go a long way in streaming mixes. What do you guys find yourselves doing a little bit differently in terms of effects on like vocal chains and like your your master bus and things like that? I, I found uh, I did a when I was practicing for the the stream, I had a little bit too much reverb on one of my channels, and I was like, well, I'll just pull that back a couple, you know, six dB, whatever I would do live to sort of calm it down. And then I listened to it playback, and I'm like, oh, the reverb is 100% gone, even though I moved the fader six dB. You know, what are you guys, uh, what are you finding you're doing a little bit differently around your effects, like on a, on a vocal channel, for example? I get really nerdy, but I've always been really nerdy. Like I, I change, even in a live environment on tour, I, I change my, like say reverb time with the venue every day. You know, and it's, you know, I mean, there's, there's a basic ratio of like little room, big reverb, big room, little reverb, and it kind of starts there, but I'm, I'm literally changing the, 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 the decay time and the pre-delay time of, of every nuance of whatever I'm doing. I change it all the time. So I got a call from uh, actually an audio guy that I really, really respect after my first show. And he, I, I thought it was great and it, it sounded awesome. But after the first hello show, it was, it was, it was a pretty bland call, but it was like, everything sounds great, but you should really consider how they're doing the Grammys and, and apply your effects that way. And then I went to go listen to some Grammy stuff and it was, it was, it was a little dry for my taste. And that's, that's mm. not to take away because honestly, it's the biggest musical show of the year and it's on TV and 40 million people seem to fucking love it. So I hadn't taken into consideration the, the thought process that I was doing of say in an arena versus a stadium versus a theater versus a club of doing the same thing in your AirPod speakers. And I started applying that and it was like, I, I did, I changed my decay time and I changed my attack time and I changed my pre-delay time. And I kind of built a reverb around what I think my living room should sound like. And I guess that everybody's watching in their living room. I watch in the bathroom most of the time, but that's probably TMI. I, 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 they got presets for that. It's, if there was Twitch involved, then you put a camera in there and we're all set. There you go. So many re uh, singers at home record in the bathroom because of the reverb, so I'm actually getting that extra reverb when I'm in the in the bathroom listening, so thank you. Dude, I, that's one thing I, I got to say I loved about the streaming. Um, the thing is, is Billy's, she's a choir singer, there's a lot of like, it's hard to get her loud, but then, so that, that problem is gone because you're now in a safe space and uh, <laughs> there's no speakers and then there's no crowd screaming into that mm. really, really loud cranked vocal mic. So then you don't have that problem. And then all of a sudden I can hear my reverbs and they were so beautiful and large and wonderful. And then I realized, oh, I can add another reverb. <laughs> I was like, cause to me, it's like, I've always been kind of usually like, you know, just out of, you know, creature of habit and safety. Uh, and the fact that, you know, that's not been that long of a, of a stent for me to carry my own desk. 
I've been slumming it for a while, you know, like until this point, but like, I got to a certain point where I'm like, wow, you know, if we had another short reverb, cause it doesn't wash her out. Like, like when you're putting one reverb really loud in a mix in an arena, you're getting washed out. So you have to be able to sculpt it going in, sculpt it coming out. So it's clean and it's just enough bright, but not too bright, but it's got body. So it gives you space. Well, when you're in this, you know, dry world, you know, like you're, you're able to create a small space that's a lot more brighter and it can give you a little bit more space on like a laptop that you're going to hear. But then when you're hearing on headphones or earbuds or speakers at home, you can have that lush tail and develop it in a different way. And I thought that was the most fun part because then I could leave all that low mids all I could bring it back into the mix. I can play around with it. I felt like the fact that I could hear it made crafting the artificial space way easier uh, in the in the whole streaming process. So that to me was also one of the funnest parts of this because it kind of I mean let's be honest I mean reverb is it can be a beautiful thing. <laughs> are are you are you putting layer like? Maybe like a long and a short. Are you are you layering reverb into reverb on her on her vocal chain, or are you like picking and choosing what you're doing per song? I'm I'm not sending them into each other. I'm running two individual effects, and usually I've been doing this uh, mathematical, uh, not very mathematical, but usually like I have an entire show based with a large reverb that I use for her show, and it alternates from every single song kind of depending on the pre-delay based on the tempo whatever kind of lands in between the notes and gets the tail to land where i want it uh and then i take a shorter space like kind of a not a dense plate kind of a medium plate and i half the pre-delay time and then i create it brighter i open up the high pass or the low pass that i have sending into that reverb so i have two different reverbs doing two different things so you'll, and it's kind of what, I mean, that's what they do in the studio, you know, like guys are known to have two, maybe even three reverbs creating a different space, but doing that kind of, kind of made it made, you know, like it's always hard to get a, a gigantic reverb to cut on a, a laptop speaker, but that's also what those guys do on, on the Grammys, on Jimmy Fallon. And a lot of those are very bright reverbs, but they're kind of very small pre-delay. Uh, and then you can hear the sibilance kind of open up and kind of, create a, a kind of a high-end HF uh, space around the thing that cuts through things like TV and laptops and, and phones. Um, so I, I kind of, I was loving that. I don't think it's something that I'll be able to get away with when we get back on tour, but I'm going to definitely give it a shot. Uh, I'm going to probably have to like high pass it a lot higher than I had, but yep. uh, it's, it's really, really cool having that. I don't normally have that flexibility. The low mids, and her vocal are a little higher, like the 350 range to like the 1.2 is where her voice kind of has that that punchiness. And that's a hard range to get because she's, you know, she, it's kind of a higher voice. You know, it's a female voice, so the lower register is a little higher. And let's be honest, not all of us like that 350 range in a PA or anything for that matter. Sometimes it's hard <laughs> to find that range in anything. So that, that I'm, I'm anxious to see, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it in the show file and, and see if I can play around with it. It'll, it might be more of an, a high, an HF thing, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but I've never really played with it. Cause I, I'm usually fighting just getting her loud and, and keeping it clean. 
so I don't try to add any more, uh, you know, problematic situations, especially with the high end. That's, you know, right. well, how are you, how point. are you busing it? Something I learned from the Clang people or not learn, I would say so I adopted in, in the concept was I, uh, conventional wisdom for me, it was, it was like my vocal effects were in my vocal bus and my vocal bus goes out into the ether. And I started taking all those effects to a different bus because now since I'm, I'm mixing in clang yeah. and yeah. I have the vocals say here, but I have the effects here and my drum effects I have in a different place. So I, like, I want this, the, the reverb on the snare and the kick and the toms to kind of be right in the same spot. But I, I'm recreating that sound from an arena where if you're the if you're that kid in the front row and you can kind of hear that slap off the back wall that that as front of house guys were annoyed by but as yeah. the audience you're you're just you feel that vibe and that energy of the room that's I started, cool i never thought of that yeah. i started using vocal but and i think i'm going to start doing that in the in the in the live environment the same thing of wow this is really rad and i can actually create an environment using the tools we have it's pretty cool. That's like, really are you cool. doing the same thing or are you busting your effects with everything else? Uh, I'm, I'm rather boring when it comes to that. Cause, uh, the way that I have, uh, her vocal busing is, is mainly created for control, uh, and gain before feedback. So my returns boringly enough, just land in my left, right. They don't go mm. anywhere. They're not fancy, but they're left to their own devices. And, I have a feeling that is going to change, but I'm not totally sure because I rely on having uh, a vocal channel insert in waves and then a vocal group insert for doing, you know, mm -hmm. like I'll do the, the channels, all the dynamics, the, the PSE, the WNS, any kind of like compression. I follow that the, with the EQ side of things, the X feedbacks all on the insert on the group. Uh, and I kind of, I mean, in my mind, in any other situation where I didn't have to worry about that, I would probably just return it to the group vocal um, just to keep it all clean. But also, if I was to be mixing in Clang, you'd obviously have to bust it out individually in order to create a stem of it. So that that is like, it's not something I have built in my show, but um, it's not it's not impossible. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's interesting. That makes me want to try that because I'm doing the similar thing where, you know, the drum returns go to the drum bus, the vocal returns go to the vocal bus and yeah. just been doing it that way. Yeah. I want to try that, though, a separate effects like, bus. Uh, it, it, just because I'm lazy, uh, it means I also have <laughs> one I have one mute button for when they talk in between songs. And I can mute <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I always I always have a, just a mute group set up to to mute the, the vocal bus sends. Yep, same here. Uh, Josh, one of the things I noticed on your mixes uh, when I was listening on my phone, uh, maybe or maybe not in the bathroom, was how great the, <laughs> the kick drum sounded. Uh, what did you find yourself having to adjust, you know, t so that the kick sounded just like super tight and punchy and came through with no mud on a little iPhone, you know, speaker or whatever? Uh, I mean, at the risk of sounding like a complete asshole, um, I'm not doing anything different uh, in the streaming and the broadcast side of recording Pro Tools, whatever. It's it's the same chain that it is at front of house. Um, you know, we we've spent so much time with I Prevail in pre-production rehearsals where we're in 
a rehearsal facility and I've got studio monitors and we're doing virtual sound checks and we're doing daily rehearsals. Um, uh, the I prevail guys, uh, they call themselves business metal, you know, rehearsals start at like seven or eight in the morning with the band. Uh, they like to wake up and get it done and be done by lunch for the day. Uh, so we would get in this rhythm of rehearse in the morning and then do virtual sound check in the afternoon. And we did that before this record cycle for like two months straight. Uh, and so going into the, the record cycle, the show was so dialed that when it came time to do the post-traumatic live album, uh, I just went and did a lot of the same approach, especially with drums. Um, so the secret to that kick drum, uh, it's an L1 limiter from Waves. Uh, it's the dumbest answer, but that's what it is. Uh, I, I I take out a lot of the dynamics of it, um, which is funny because, you know, we just talked about how dynamics are different. Uh that that super not muddy kick drum uh going back to i can't remember which one of you other guys said it uh there's no 120 hertz in it at all it's all gone all of it um <laughs> there's no 120 hertz there's no 400 hertz uh there's an l1 limiter to to make every single hit punch through there's a little dynamics left in there not much but there's a little uh every hit just punches through a very thick layered mix uh i mean that's that's really all there is to it. I, I wish there was more of a secret. And I, I've, I've, I've heard it. I've heard it for real. It's, it's crushing. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've had people come to front of house and say, man, like, are you guys doing samples at the show? No, no, we're not. It's, it's a, it's a really well-tuned kick drum. Uh, it's got a 91 on the inside, a D six in the hole. Uh, you know, both live and on the live record, there's no hundred Hertz, there's no 400 Hertz and there's an L1 limiter on it. That's, that's the recipe. So what's funny is with Decker's kick drum, I actually had to put 100 into his kick for the streaming stuff because it, it mm. helped with a little bit more of the, I'm a guy that hates 80 Hertz in a kick drum. I can't stand it like live. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, you know, 40, 45, 50, 60, you know, crush 60. Uh, but then when I listened to that on the iPhone, I was like, ooh, my, my poor iPhone speakers are compressing and farting and just having a heck of a time. And so, you know, I took all those lower frequencies out, put a little 100 in, and I, it, I, it sounds decent to me, but I'm going to throw an L1 on there and see what happens. But also, you know, it is genre specific. Like it is. That is like, you know, yeah. I, I, I need 100 in, in like the presence of the kick drum because there's so much more space between the notes for us yes. than you, for you, like mid, like I'm like, I guess I'm not the, I'm the one metal, the non-metal guy, supposedly, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> which I've, I've mixed metal bands too. It's like, you don't really leave, you don't need it. Uh, Cause that's usually reserved for exactly. the guitars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. That's fun. That that's interesting to, to bring up because with what we've been doing with hello is, as. I've only had one metal band, <laughs> so <laughs> and, you're, you're exercising muscles, man. <laughs> right. And if you go, if you honestly, if you listen to the first three or four shows, you're like, oh, wow, the guy mixing this really mixes metal bands. And, you know, you've got that, <laughs> that kick drum that kind of sounds like an IBM ty electric typewriter. <laughs> and um, I, I found myself really going back and, and starting to listen to the artists that's coming in, listening to their records, listening to their single, whatever they, they send, I get some little material and understanding that like I approached this thing initially from this is how I mix to wait a minute. This is not necessarily how they sound. And like 
some people have that super tight, super punchy drum sound. Some people have that, that more of that Alex Van Halen approach to drums that are just wide and open and ringy and kind of yeah. boomy and, and developing different tricks where I, I don't, I have my own presets that I've made over the years and I fuck them off probably in August. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't, I actually have to listen to stuff and twist the knobs. That's a wonderful thing. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it's, I mean, I would venture to say to me, I think that that's an incredible gift that, you know, people that you, I'm sure most of us have venue experience and also Hello TV would probably be similar. Whereas you're, you know, you have a little more time to work with the artists, but like that was one of the things that I got out of my venue experience was just like, we had all kinds of bands all the time and they all cared about their sound because the venue was known to care about their sound very, and, and they would literally share their opinions for better or worse with me, which slowly made me understand that, Hey, you don't gate fucking drums on a gate, a jazz gig. And sometimes you have to dial a ton of AK into a metal kick drum, you know? And then sometimes you just got to crank those guitars for a rock band. And then sometimes you got to figure out how to get that vocal to set with tracks on a pop song, you know, a pop, a pop band, you know, like uh, a horns are an incredible, you know, guitar replacement for a funk band. It's like all these kinds of things. It's like every single band, even within the genres have their own particular thing. Like even any Ballas is like an Afro Afro punk band. It's like, you're not talking about, you know, not Afro punk, but like Afro beat band where you're not going to mix them the same way you'd mix like a funk band. You're not going to keep them clean. They like that, that tones, dirty, dry, you know, in your face, but old school plate vibe, you know, it's like all these bands. That's, that's the brilliant thing that you could probably add to this conversation is just listening to the band and be like, okay, well, how do they, how do they want to sound? Cause they spent all that time mixing their record. That's going to be the best indicator of like what they want to sound like live. If it's possible, <laughs> sometimes no, it's not totally. possible. Yeah. I'm mixing another rock record right now and there's no L1 on any kick anywhere. Yeah, you got there's 100 a hundred Hertz in that kick drum. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of hundred Hertz in that yeah. kick drum on this, on this one. It's, it's, it's different. It's, it's still a rock record, but it's not, I prevail and it's got to sound like the artist. Um, another big thing that, uh, I've been working with during this time. And Eric, I'm curious if you've had this same sort of experience as me, because we have a lot of the same live genre background. Um, when I started doing the streaming stuff and the record stuff, uh, I was noticing that I was having trouble drums in particular, uh, where what I came to realize was that over the years doing all these venues, um, I wasn't compressing my live drums very much because the rooms, the arenas, the clubs, whatever had, the sustain to carry the drum but then in the studio all these close direct mics on the kit you know reverb carries it in one way but what i realized i i, I started using a lot more bus compression on my drums i started using a lot more transient designers on my drums and pro tools to get that same sort of vibe that you do from standing next to a kit in a room and hearing the room react with it i don't know have you had any of that experience I don't know. I, I compress the shit out of my drums. And what's, <laughs> Fair enough. What's really funny is um, we, I think we touched on this before Steve hit record is um, I don't trust or believe in any of the plugins that have the, the, the parallel thingy in them, like the knob. Yes. I don't, don't believe I'm the it. Same. 
I I'm have the same. Invaders, I have two fucking. I have an SD7Q. I have more buses than I know what to do with. So <laughs> I go ahead and I. Yep. I have a dry bus and I have a compressed bus for yep. my drums. Um, there's a couple shows that I've done that I've actually done a parallel compression with vocals as well. Um, but I, I'm I've never had a problem with that. I I do, I'm. I'm not, I don't have a problem with looking at that meter going all the way to the left as it can and just staying there. I don't <laughs> care. Um, no. Because I still have my my dry bus in there bringing out the thing. So whatever I do for transient design is just, um, it's a relationship between, you know, the, 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 the ultra compressed bus and the dry bus. That's all it ever is. All right. I feel like this is a uh, fighting words because Drew and I, one of the things that we really like about DLive is the effects processor has a, uh, a parallel path built into every effects unit. And that's something that I take advantage of and I've really enjoyed with the live streaming uh, stuff is being able to have that flexibility and capability. And I think Yamaha desks have that capability as well. But uh, when you said that- SXL uh, just added it, so yeah. It's yeah. it's in a lot of ways. If you use say H comp on, um, in waves, that yep. big blend knob right there, that's, it's what it is, but I still don't. I, I, I just use two but you know. That- but, but Andy Wall, but some of the best records I've ever heard had no parallel compression. You know, Andy Wallace, like the, the Rage Records. I mean, still to this day, some of the best drum oh, sounds yeah. ever. And and he doesn't really use it, and it's he finds it more problematic. The trick is, and and this is something that I'm still trying to figure out is the the. I mean, even though we're running at such a loud volume doesn't necessarily mean we get all all the little tiny nuances that happens when you you change the attack time it's all about that attack time being able to clip just enough but make sure that you still have that transient popping out and you're adding enough on the low end uh the not the low end but the the after part the envelope of the wave and that that is the hardest part of it is compression right and getting that rms up and having a release time that makes sense and being able to slow things down because ultimately what makes drums sound loud isn't actually the drums themselves. It's the ability to control the transients and then the space yep. that we create around them. That is the hardest part because we have the, the challenge that studio guys can, you know, they, they don't have this problem because they record these awesome room mics. We have to make a fake room and then exactly. crush a room and then yep. throw it into our parallel return bus and yep. hope that we get this explosion that sounds real. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, I hope that that made that make sense. And then we can turn our drums down because now our drums occupy more space and more RMS because they last longer. They're not just these little pointy things that happen intermittently in the mix. Yep. Like they're occupying more space. And that's the trick. It's like, that's the, that's the truth. And I, I think that's why all of us are fascinated with drums because they're, they're the hardest things. They're hard. They're really good. They are. We, get they to, are. we have literally everything like having a close mic. You have to make that close mic. I mean, if you just soloed that close mic, it sounds terrible, yep. but you have to make it, make sense you have to make it make you know make it sound like it's, it's real like it was recorded in a record it's, it's a hard it's a hard task i mean i'm still like you know whipping myself trying to figure out okay like how can i make this better how can i make this better and i get a lot of compliments on my drums and i'm sure all of us do but it's like we're always just like okay we have to make it better and then you get to a streaming place and then you're like god like this is the same problem i'm fighting 
I have to make it sound good with no space, but now there's not even a room. And yeah. now you're really tied. So it's, I, I think it's a fantastic challenge. It'll only make us better. Uh, I'm just I'm like, it's challenging. That's why another thing is like the crossover, man, we're lucky to be able to step more on that side, but it's not easy mixing records. It's, it's not. not, it absolutely Question isn't. Box. No, I, I came into this year feeling really confident about mixing drums at a show. And then I went into the streaming and mixing in the box and it's like, I don't know how to mix drums anymore. And it's really frustrating, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, the waves, what is it? The the IR1, the impulse verb from waves, that has been a lifesaver for me to take all these close mics where we don't have room recordings and just being able to go back and add that after the fact and then parallel crush it and do whatever you have to do to make it sound like it was recorded in a good room. Yeah. Something I've done is, as I've added, and I, I never do it in a live environment, but I've added a second reverb that's just for the whole kit where like, the snare reverb is a part of the snare signal chain, no matter what. So you have your top, yeah. bottom. Um, sometimes I actually have top, bottom, and side plus reverb, and then you—that's your snare sound. That 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 explosion. I've got another verb channel that's literally everything on the drum kit from kick one to overhead sixteen is all just a skosh into this reverb thing, and then that reverb channel, I found that it comes back in just to the point where you, you hear it and then you back it down that much where you're not even hearing it. But if you mute the channel, something goes away. And yeah. it's just, it's, that's it's what Drew was saying. It's recreating that room that doesn't exist. I've had, um, I've had audio technica, I've had Clang, I've had DPA, I've had a bunch of people say, you need room mics and it doesn't work in a sterile studio. Yeah. Like I, I, and especially yeah. my sterile studio isn't really that sterile. Like on the other side of the curtain stage, right. Is a guy, literally a brewery. He's a guy fucking making beer. <laughs> so, I mean, you might want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a sterile I room. I have that. to make a room. Yeah. My kick sounds so much better with the wart boiling in the background. It's just that it really rounds it out nicely. That's I what, I you know, wanna, I don't want to call him out, but uh, <laughs> my, my friend, Joel Stickrod, who is a, a monitor engineer for a, really well-known artist he's also a, a brewer and he's making beer <laughs> nice hey uh we're we're approaching an hour uh which is crazy when you think about it and my my beverages are running low um dangerously low but i wanted to touch on something so. that we uh we hit earlier which was when drew mentioned he got to use condenser mics uh in the in the streaming environment that's something that he doesn't do live and I think uh, this was something Eric might be curious about because Eric, I think you use uh, condensers live pretty regularly. Show I use off. them on overheads, uh, but I don't use them anywhere else. Oh, that's a lie. I use them on Toms. All my Beta 98s are are condensers technically. But what are some things that you're you're finding you're able to get away with these days versus doing something live? And for myself, it's EQ. Like I have, if I look at my EQ curves. I, they should not work like they're they're so crazy and if i was in a live environment i'd probably be dealing with some feedback and whatnot but what are you guys doing with uh with uh your streams that you can get away with in the box quote unquote that you wouldn't be able to get away with live um somebody else go first i need to plug in a power source to my uh MacBook. josh you go first <laughs> you go first because everyone I, I i don't want to go first you go first. okay 
Technically, uh, I went first, but that's okay. I mean, I'm going to, again, I'm going to just try not to look like the asshole. But again, it's just, I'm going to keep saying dynamics and compression. It's, yeah. it's, it's mind blowing. Um, I am doing so, it's weird because sometimes I'm doing way more compression. Sometimes I'm doing way less compression. Um, you know, like, like I said, with drums, I'm doing way more compression now to control the dynamics. Whereas you go to a show and I want nothing but transients destroying that PA, working it to its limit to make you feel that emotional impact in the room. But you can't get away with that in the box on a record in the stream. Um, and so I'll use a lot more compressors than I normally would. Uh, not necessarily all at once, right? Like I, I'm doing a lot more series compression than I've ever done before where, you know, uh, compress the kick on the channel just a little, compress the drum bus just a little, compress the parallel one, and then compress all the band bus and then the output bus. So I'm, I'm doing a lot more stages of dynamics than I ever have before where, um, you know, Drew, I think you're probably similar to me live where like it's pretty straightforward where it's, you know, it's a, it's a, instrument channel to a bus to the left right or you know like you said with your reverbs just straight to the left right yeah and you know my my show is similar in that where i'm not doing a lot of ton of crazy routing there's a lot going on but it's all routed pretty simply where something i'm enjoying in this time is having the freedom to route things crazy places back into themselves do a little more compression make it sit just right uh but then of course we're all just blessed by being able to crank as much high frequency as we want with no absolute consequence whatsoever um yeah and yeah, i know drew you're really enjoying that um, yeah yeah this is a good time for me <laughs> it is no i mean i was i so so you and i were both at the grammys this year um i you know i heard i heard your mix it sounded really good in the room uh you know i saw billy out on the b stage there and yeah that was that was my first time hearing anything that you did live and i would it was impressive because like she's in front of the pa and she's whispering it's, that's gotta I, be hard it's it's tough and i would i would venture to say uh i i would imagine that i i you know i actually don't think i changed a whole lot dynamics wise from streaming to live for for her vocal i did uh, obviously change the eq significantly because there were certain things that i could get away with um you know and and I would also venture to say too, I'm I'm also creating EQs that I think that I could get away with with a different singer, because sure. I'm trying to figure out like that secret key to the success, like something that translates. Like if you did like a shelf across, like instead of cutting all the low mids, you know, how about you use an F6 and use the, the dynamics to to mm -hmm. cut that that high mid and highs of 500, 600, and the 250 but like not so aggressively, but then counter it by just doing an, a shelf of like a couple DB from like 1K all the way up to the top and then high, sure. low pass it and then try to see if like, okay, can I tilt it in a very less aggressive thing? Because ultimately what we're doing is, you know, if we pull a ton of low end and then we crank the mic, it's essentially similar to the same thing that you would be doing sure. boosting the mic. And, and but you're inducing more phase incoherence in the low mid part of the vocal. So trying to figure out how to do as much as you can with a, as little as possible, like even mixing mm -hmm. into EQs, which is something I do live as well. That's also helpful. Um, obviously, you know, even doing that 
yeah, I do that with Billy, even, even though like high mid, like the high and high end is like a scary thing sometimes, but you know, you, you have to control it within the whole parameter because like that, that is a part of doing less on the channels. Like I want to be able to do less on the channels because I feel like if I can do less on the channels and if I'm adding it, it's kind of that CLA mentality where you're like, you're like, if you cut something, you're removing that note from the equation. I don't want to do that. I want to create more power. So how can I create more power adding uh, high end and low end in this particular place on the low, the left, right. So that way all my channels are a little bit more flat. So like, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, but it's also a lot different than what I, you know, would normally approach her vocal. I would usually leave that flat and then kind of work from there. Uh, you know, a mixture of like X feedback and ringing out the PA and, but like, I try to also avoid doing anything to the PA to keep her clean. I usually try to keep that within her vocal and vocal channel and try to marry that with everything else. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that what the original question was like, what you, what you <laughs> could get away with in a vocal EQ or anything I in think general, just anything, like, yeah. what do you yeah. get away with live? You know, like, I think one thing that I found a lot is if you look at my live EQ, I'm always cutting 315 because almost every box out there live has that resonant frequency at 315. And actually in my streaming mixes, I'm adding a little bit of 315, yeah. you know, which I would never do live. Like I would, I would cut the heck out of it. So. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got a pair of Poltex for doing a lot of stuff, you know, because streaming the, in the box. isn't good enough. <laughs> well, no, okay, no, God, the digital no. guy keeps hold on, down hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on, fired quantum. <laughs> okay, oh, sorry. What what happened is I've I, my one point seven cents per milliliter. I'm now three quarters of the bottle. In. Um, no, but I mean, just tagging off of what Drew said. Yeah, it's like all of the streaming stuff, all the the in the box record stuff. Um. I'm adding low end and I'm adding high end on the left, right. And I've never done that before. I'm using, I've, I've discovered Poltex, you know, yeah, um, uh, they are very sweet. I've got a pair of the program ones and a pair of the mid ones and they're fantastic. And I've, awesome. I've been using them on everything. And it, 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 it makes me think like, man, could I bring these on the road? Could I get away with this? I don't want to travel without analog outboard gear. Then I'll turn into Eric and I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> tubes on <laughs> tubes on tour. Right. Well, so, I stole from, I stole from Drew. Um Drew did what your second your second podcast in was uh master bus processor. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. So I went ahead and I stole his master bus thing. Like I'm gonna do this. Dude, it's, I stole it from someone else. <laughs> one thing I noticed though, because like my mind makes I, I never touch the, the, the main bus, like I would always, I've never done it. I don't do it on the console at all. It's always on the system processor. And I don't need a system processor now. Right. Yeah. Or I don't have one either way. So <laughs> I've, I've got- yeah, Talk to your boss. Right, it's no, <laughs> talk to my boss about that. She's a dick. Um, but uh, I, I found myself, I took, the only thing I changed was I took uh, F6 of all things. And it's the last thing in it because I, I love the compression. I, I like the processing all in it, but then there's just something about it that I, I wasn't getting that whenever I'm getting out of the, either the K2 or the lion, it wasn't there on the very high frequency. So now I find myself putting a dynamic EQ on the, on the output on the last stage where I'm just pushing just 
just little little love in and it's i think it's because i'm not fully adapted to the studio environment and i'm still sure. thinking live i mean so well I'm, but see that that's the that's the kicker like i i was lucky enough to start in a live world you know and i i love watching uh, you know the cla videos and and like andy wallace interviews and and that kind of stuff it's like it's very interesting it's like even in watching eric valentine and recreate an entirely different drum sound like from something completely different it's like they have an interesting way of thinking about it and now we're just getting to the point where we have tools for harmonic distortion like certain ways of summing virtual summing I just, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. And then, you know, being able to play with, you, you know, using soft clipping, you know, distorting certain plugins on purpose, uh, clipping just a little bit of that transient, doing the same thing that you're doing kind of with an L1, just a little less, you yep. know, uh, and a little, you know, it's more of like, it, it just sounds like a piece of gear getting overloaded. So it's like all those little tiny things. It's like that, that's, that's the, that's the hard part and the fun part, but it's also something that you get from being a studio guy. It's like the live world has been like, it's volume is such an easy tool to use for power. It is. It's such an amazing, I mean, the PAs are so powerful, like you endless options. And I mean, just, you know, like I said before, I was like, you know, I actually kind of regret it. Cause it's like, you could say you turned up a compressed soloed, you know, drum mic, uh, and you pulled it up in, in like your streaming environment and your mixing environment, and it would sound terrible. There's a good chance in an arena, you pull that up and it's squashed to shit. It yep. might sound awesome and it's deceiving. It's deceiving. Yep. It's not truthful. Uh, and it's still going to make, you're still going to have the same issues. You're just not going to know that you're having those issues. You're going to work around it. So it's like, there's this beautiful, like straight line between those two worlds where I feel like we're just starting to see that, correlation and we're able to take most of our survival tactics and apply it in a way where it'll make us you know more successful in a, a, in, a in a place where you're watching crap on a, a laptop or a phone which is challenging the the summer show that i did was stitched uh we had a, a pretty full-size pa and i used the d live on that show that was technically my first d live show that i mixed for them live and it crushed like their manager came up to me and he was like dude They've never sounded this good before. It sounds like Metallica. It's like just massive. It's huge. He's like, don't change anything. This is how they need to sound every time that they go out on the road. <laughs> and then I started practicing for uh, the 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 streaming stuff. And I was listening to it on my studio monitors here, which are actually PA speakers. And I was like, oh man, I'm killing it. I'm totally killing it. And then I listened to it on on uh, you know headphones or through my laptop. And I was like, yeah, I can't use any of these settings from that show. I've got to basically start all over. <laughs> Um, so, okay. We're at an hour. We're over an hour. Um, I just want to ask one final question. We'll go round Robin. And then I think we'll wrap up here. Cause I know Eric's got curry waiting and Josh, yes, Josh has got the early bird dinner out in Phoenix to, to jump into, <laughs> uh, Drew is refilled on wine. So he's okay. And I I'm actually, while we were recording, I ran out and refilled my bourbon, but I, uh, had you guys on the monitor so I could hear all the bad things you said. Sure. But, you did. <laughs> Um, okay, so as a result of all of the work that we've done with streaming and all of the the sort of like practice and rehearsing that we've done, do you think you come out into um, 2022 or whenever we tour again 
better off uh, adjusting, doing things differently about the same? Or where do, you, where do you think you'll land after all of this streaming stuff? How does it impact what we're doing live? Okay, <laughs> I watch I watch Josh and I watch Drew like, like I'll be the I've got an answer. They both faked, they both right. faked uh, technical difficulties. Yeah. Um, honestly, as as a as a mixer, as an audio guy, as a human that that pushes faders for a living, uh, hundred percent coming out better off. Um, I really think that I've learned skills in this time that I wouldn't have had the time to learn otherwise. I've had to learn workflows that I never thought I would have to come up with. Uh, I've had more time just sitting in front of a pair of speakers mixing. Cause I, I mean, I know Eric has this thing as well. We both have a lot of the same background where like on the road, I'm doing tour management, production management, very little of my day is spent doing audio. And I know a lot of us have that background. Um, coming out of this, uh, I, I feel so confident saying I'm going to be a better mixer. Now, as a general human being, you know, that's up for debate, right? <laughs> um, I, I, I've got more gray hair than I had going into this. That's for sure. So, uh, as yeah, exactly. As you guys stroke your beards. Uh, yeah, as, as a mixer, hundred percent, this, this has made me a better mixer as, as a human the yeah, the jury's still out. I think as, as, as all of the above, man, it's coming out of this, like, you had to learn and this we had this you look at it as an opportunity right we we could have sat and been miserable and, and gone to get a, whatever a god forbid a day job no <laughs> no offense to everybody out there but it's it's frightening right it's like we could we could sit at home and wait we could sit at home and whine or we could get get it together and do something and then taking it from steve and from from drew like they put something together, put a podcast together. They, they've started sharing knowledge, teaching. We all have this opportunity to learn. I mean, Pooch and Rebel, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, awesome. Who hasn't watched every fucking episode of that <laughs> and learned? Yeah. That, that particular podcast got me on the drive from Michigan to Arizona when I moved across the country. That literally yeah. the whole, the whole 2000 mile drive was that podcast. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's cool because we are, we are a really small community and we can, we can teach each other. We can learn from each other. We can make fun of each other. We can, we can actually come out better 2021, 2022, whatever. I mean, I, I expect every show to sound fucking phenomenal. For real. I hope the lighting guys and the video guys have been doing the same shit because audio <laughs> guys are on point. <laughs> Keep it up boys. I don't think they have. Um, yeah. And, it, it's uh well drew i'll let you go and then i'll i'll impart a finding a final thought okay well i am not gonna get any better let's let's be honest i'm just kidding because you're the best <laughs> i mean what the fuck no absolutely i i have literally in the last two weeks have hated a lot of the stuff that i've been doing and it's so hard because i feel like the we are our worst critics and that's why we are mixing who we mix. And I will, I will always be appreciative of the place I'm, I am and the person that I am obsessed about audio. Um, and I would venture to say there's not one chance that I come out of this a lesser engineer. I, 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 I can't, can't do it. I love what I do. I'm obsessed about what I do. I do it every day, whether it's, you know, <laughs> Googling like 
forums on like issues that I've been watching from afar, whether I'm reading about other firmware updates from other console manufacturers, whether I'm creating my own, you know, YouTube videos, or I'm watching someone else's awesome YouTube videos. It's like, that is the goal to me. I know once we get going, we're going to roll. And to me, I want to be the best version of myself. And I want to, I want to take this advantage uh, of this unfortunate un unemployment that I am drawing and uh, get paid to get better at my craft, whether it's really, really, really a lot less than I normally make. Um, and, and take advantage of that because I, I feel like it'd be reckless not to. Uh, I, I have literally blown up my show file at least two times since, and I plan on doing another blow up and literally wipe the slate. And I, I it's so crazy because it always causes more problems than it probably solves, but we all do that. And that's how we get better. Uh, you get inspired by listening to someone else and you're like, I want to try that. That makes sense. I want to do this. This makes sense. I've learned this from this. I'm going to do this. It's like all these things we've learned from the streaming uh, world. It's like that range that's the hardest to get right is where we are going to earn our 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 keep. You know what I mean? That, that's a hard, hard range. It's like I've never thought about it, but it's like being able to do that. It's like that perfect. Like I said, I keep saying there's a linear like this this line between these two worlds. Um, that's connecting us and we have the technology keeps getting better. We have the plugins that people use in, in the, the records. So it's like, we have those tools and I'm going to keep on playing with it, whether it's the minuteness of like playing with harmonic distortion and fake summing, uh, in the box, which is my new crazy obsession. Um, and, or just like playing with effects or compressing reverbs or creating fake drum rooms, uh, or doing parallel drum, you know, channels and trying to figure out, okay, well, what will work and what, what won't all those things. It's like, I'm going to just keep on doing what I can do. And I've been very lucky and diligent to record all my shows. So I know where I, I was and I know where I'm going to end up because I'm very lucky to have gear and be able to, to obsess about this stuff. Not everyone does. Uh, and not everyone has a desk. You know, and I think that all four of us actually, I feel like are lucky yep. enough to have access to a desk and it's, I feel it's bad beyond the amazing. Yeah. I feel, I feel bad. And I feel like if I don't take advantage of it, then there's some guy that's dying to touch some faders is just agonizing in pain, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, Oh, well, I just didn't, you know, I didn't crack it. I'm just like going to start up. All these people, I've seen a couple people like say, see pictures and say like, oh, I don't even know where I would start. I'm like, well, that's the problem. We don't have a, we don't have a choice. We got to come out the gate roaring because we're going to get going. And there's going to be a lot of engineers who are going to want our jobs. You know what I mean? Like everyone's going to be like trying to make the best of it. And, you know, to me, it's like, it's not a, com it's not a competition, but I sure want to be the best version of me. And I know what I can do and I know that I want to do better. So that to me is, you know, I'm definitely hands down going to come out of this better, you know, and I'm going to learn as much as I can and I'm going to continue. And I think I've, I've learned a lot and it's great because we have all these legends giving away knowledge, you know, it's out there, go and take it. They're giving it away for free. 
They're just literally just giving it away. So just take, in, take the two hours to watch a school video. Take the hour to listen to Pooch and Raybould talk about drums or, or anything, you know, like the business side of things. It's all fascinating and you will not regret it. So I, I'm excited. That's the one thing I will say. Everything else, as a better person, probably not. Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> it's been a hard year. I don't know how many more times I can get to call and say, we're not doing anything for a long time. Um, so wear a mask, kids. Just wear a mask and wash your damn hands. <laughs> like For one, I'm really tired of the fake smile and the fake fucking, like every time you hear somebody catching COVID, smile, wishing them well, but at the same time, like, well, I see your Facebook feed and I know how you fucking got it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is tough. Um. And, Go ahead, Drew. Uh, I was just, no. Okay. Uh, it's just going to be a rant. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for when I stop recording. I'm just going to drink. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I think, I think everybody sort of touched on something that was really heartfelt and accurate. And I know we've talked about this individually with my one-on-ones with each of you um, solo in the podcast or in smaller roundtables or different roundtables. But if you don't come out of this pandemic smarter and better informed than when you came into it, that's your own fault. I can't imagine like the NFL or any other profession. I looked this up a while ago and I think I may have shared this with a couple of you, but there are fewer touring live sound engineers in the world than there are NFL players, which is insane because the NFL is sort of like the pinnacle of, you know, professional sports or, or whatever the NBA. Um, There's fewer of us touring and doing what we do than there are of professional sports players in certain genres. Can you imagine like if the, during the downtime of the the NFL that they weren't practicing or they weren't trying to like watch game film or try to get better, you know, doing little mini camps with, with one another, that's what we're doing. And I think we're really lucky to be taking advantage of that. So anybody out there who's listening, if you do nothing else, go watch a sum of two buses Go watch Hello TV and see what Eric's doing. Go listen to I Prevail and what Josh is doing because you're going to learn something no matter what. And then also go listen to Pooch and Raybould. Like those are Jedi masters pulling back the curtain and saying, here's exactly what we do with no holds barred. If you're not taking advantage of that, then, you know, go find a different job. I do. I do want to add one thing though, because and it just this last week has been uh i would i i'm okay to say it has been one of the worst weeks in a while uh it's hard and i don't i don't know whether everyone can grasp it it's hard to be told you know get that email when you're hoping for something to happen and then you find out that oh wow it's like we're not even done with 2020 and there's a possibility that 2021 won't happen and a lot of people out there are getting a lot of bad news. So I won't discredit anyone for feeling terrible about this because there's every reason to feel terrible. And it's okay to feel terrible because I feel like a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, self-improvement and like work out in your freaking house and like, you know, try to make the best of it and all that stuff. And some people aren't lucky. We're, we are four people that have access to our own consoles, our own gear and the ability to do our stuff. Now, granted, we all earned that. And we all built that, but not everyone had the same tools and the, the chances that we got at that point. And some people listening to this might not 
they might, might be earlier in their career. So if you feel bad, I totally get it. But man, definitely, Steve, use the time. There's a lot of resources out there. And I plan on making more videos. I plan on giving more information as soon as I get more information. As soon as I learn more stuff, I'll, I'll give it away. I don't care. Um, but yeah, I just try to make the best of it and try to survive. Because man, I tell you, when we come back, it's going to feel so good. And it's gonna be the you got to hold on. Everyone, you just got to hold on. Because it's really hard to hold on right now. Yeah. I'm even you know, telling myself to hold on. I, <laughs> so. I will... I, I will honestly say like, it's, it's cool. We, this is an escape. This is a, this is a bottle of wine and four nerds talking about nerdy shit, yep. but there's, there's a real world out there and there's real world problems. And I mean, I know, I know Steve touches on it when he, when he does the intro and the outro and I am not hard to, I'm not hard to find. I'm all over the interweb, the social media, hello TV, whatever. I'm happy to talk to people about audio shit, but off the record, like Drew said, it is hard out there. And the chances are the four of us can probably relate on a human level to whatever you're going through. We, we all have families. We all have people that we care about. We, we've all been affected by this thing that's ruined, <laughs> that's ruined the world. And for, for me, and I'm guessing for everybody else, it's find us. You want to talk about compression? Great. You want to talk about the fact that you're homeschooling your kid and you can't get shit done? I'll drink wine and talk to you about that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I totally get For it. For real. I have a new podcast idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, I do. I, I think it would be since we have drunk sound guys. <laughs> we have four people Flash here and regular three sound guys. consoles. I would almost it might be interesting to find a and I could probably do it with hello. We could find a house band and just play a song, pick a song, play like back in black. And it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And then all of us have the multi-tracks and go through our approach. Let's do it. I'm in. And I think the only one that we, like we could either do, I mean, I'm guessing that like, I know that my guys and are, would be out. I'm guessing Drew's artists would be out, but so between Steve and Josh, <laughs> let's see if your guys would donate some multi-tracks and have some fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk to yeah. them because um, that's one of the things, like, I did not have that luxury. I, I came into mixing Stitched really late. Uh, I started mixing them at the end of 2019, and at that point, I didn't have the ability to do multi-tracks. So I did a whole tour with them where I was rehearsing and sort of displaying what I could do live. And I, I thought about it. Uh, I did 39 shows with them in 2019. Each show was about 30 minutes. I've spent a hundred times more than that since I've had multi-tracks, like mixing and practicing. It's such a luxury to have. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's crazy what multi-tracks have done for us, but I'll see what I can do for getting multi-tracks. And uh, you guys talking about a quick mix. <laughs> Drew knows all about that. <laughs> so I do 15 minutes. So, so festival style. You don't, you, you don't want my multi-tracks for a quick, <laughs> you, 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 you don't want right. my multi-tracks <laughs> for that. Before we start this so shit. many, that's too many tracks. Drunk multi-track yeah. uh, 15 yeah. minute mix. You've got to be drinking. You've got 15 minutes and go. That's, that's going to get pulled. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Eric, Eric hinted out. at it earlier. I'm what, like 53 inputs or something? You don't want to quick mix that. <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, uh, this is going to be the final show of 2020. So I thank you guys for joining me on this final uh, podcast. And I thank you guys also for all of the 
knowledge and everything that you've imparted uh, through the podcast and through your own various outputs and channels and whatnot. But um, thanks for being good friends. Thanks for agreeing to join in. And uh, yeah, let's let's see what 2021 holds. Hopefully it's a little bit better than what we've uh, experienced the last year. It's got to be. Thank you for having us. And I want to say this from from deep in my heart. Fuck 2020. And that's a wrap on this episode of Mix Masters. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please be sure to subscribe and then tell a friend or maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd certainly appreciate it. I produce Mix Masters on the Allen & Heath DLive system with Sure microphones and a little help from Apple's Logic Pro X and some Waves SoundGrid plugins. One more round of thanks to Merritt Goodwin for the music. And until next time, stay safe and healthy, and thanks again for listening.